0: Israel told, were told to make, take sacrifices to the temple, you know, I, ra- I raised sheep, I raised cattle, I mean, I raised all kinds of animals in high school, and Sharon and I were discussing this week, you know how much grass they had to have just to feed all those animals? The daily sacrifice, the weekly sacrifice, if you messed up and missed something, you got to go back and make it right. And I'm like, all those details. And then there was the feast and all of the sacrifices in the different feasts. And it, if you look at the calendar, it's, it's like they were all, almost all in the summertime. Summer and, and early fall. And they took hundreds, or actually thousands of animals to there. And to think that Jesus Christ came Gave his life on the cross and shed his blood so that we don't have to take, do that. He took care of that for us. He paid it all. Amazing grace. That's why I got my amazing grace tie on this morning. It's just, it's just amazing to me. The older I get, the the more I realize what a great gift that is that received. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for our time together this morning, Father. I pray for our time in your word, I pray for our time around the the elements this morning that Father we can truly understand what a great gift that was that we we gave. And Father, we think of Mike King's family uh, down in Beckley this morning. Uh, Now they know for certain what happened to his brother. Father, we pray for comfort and peace for them. We thank you that Janet's brother Gary came through his surgery well, Father, and that Richard's able to be with us this morning. We just pray for a healing for him and for Carol, and we pray for Haley as she's recovering from this finger injury. Father, just continue to be with Joe and Joyce and their family as they help this young girl deal with this infection. and. Father, again, for our time in your word this morning, I pray that you'll just guide us and direct us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You know, one of the hardest things... Anybody got an idea what a hard message for a pastor is to preach? What's the hard, one of the hardest things to talk about in church? For the preacher. Tithing, money. Why is that hard, Pat? Yeah, you know, fill, let's fill up the, you know, if you don't get enough, let's pass the plate again, right? No, that's, that's not how it's done. We bring our tithes into the, 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 the storehouse, and uh, again, if you look at the law, you know, there were quite a few requirements for the tithe in the law, and I love, I love being a missionary, because I can stand up here and I can talk about giving to the church. I can talk about tithing. I can talk about our financial responsibilities because you can get rid of me anytime you want because I'm a missionary. Karen's like, well, let's see. When do we want to do this? But I told you that I have a Timothy in, in Long Beach, California that I talk to on a regular basis. I actually have an envelope up on my desk, something he said, can you send me what you do for membership class. This is a young guy in the ministry. And then last week, I got a call from my Paul. Eight times. (laughs) I'm talking to my Paul, and I love talking. His name's Don. Uh, Don's an older guy. I have no clue how old he is. Uh, His wife uh, passed away a few years ago. She survived Hiroshima. She was born in Japan and survived Hiroshima. So that'll tell you about how old my, my Paul is. And he called to enc- as an encouragement, and my phone dropped out. So I called him back. Two minutes later, my phone dropped out. Eight times, my Monday, through fr- my Monday or Friday phone dropped out. Those of you that don't understand, my phone was made on Monday or Friday, and that's about how well it works most of the time. It's a lot smarter than me. But as we look at the book of 1 Timothy, we're going to go to chapter 5. But remember, this is an encouragement. This is one of the pastoral, pastoral epistles that Paul wrote, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. He's writing on how we do church. That's really the context of this. He's writing to a younger man. Paul's writing to Timothy in these two, 1 and 2 Timothy, about how the church should function. And we've been going through that because we have to have a clear understanding of how we function as a body of believers in the church. And I'm not going to go over a whole lot of it, but the easy part is how do we elect elders, deacons? I mean, it's all spelled out real clear, right? How do we take care of the family? And we talked about that last week. After after last week, it came to my attention... We have a family that has a need. And what do we do? God's word says we help. So that's why Mike made that motion. And we're going to help this family. If there's a need. Now, I went to the answering machine this week. Some lady called. I need help with gas. i got to go to physical therapy. Could you help me put gas in my car? I have no idea who that is. But I can tell you from... Previous ministries, they open the phone book and they start at the A's and they call all the way through till they find somebody that'll give them gas. My last church started with C. We got calls really early. But we need to take care of the family because that's what God's Word tells us to do. So that's what we're going to do this week with our deacon's fund and some money th- from savings. But starting in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 and this is why I started out about how why it's hard we need to put a light right here I think <laughs> Yeah I know. I told Pat this week I said I really like being I really like being down here. I really like being close to my family. Today I'll probably trip over the communion table but <laughs> says, in verse 17 of 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. You know, I've looked over the financial report from the church, and you know what? Galilean Baptist Church takes care of their pastor. I was surprised. No, no, no. I, when I'm, don't take that wrong. I mean, when I look at the size of the body here and I look at how well you've taken care of your pastor, you believe God's word too. In the early church, when the elders were appointed, many of them were tent makers. They didn't draw a salary from the church. But as time went on and the need came for a full-time pastor, they needed to be paid because they couldn't keep up two jobs. How many of you have worked two jobs at one time? Yeah, I've spent most of my life working at least two jobs. It's tough. You you have a hard time juggling ministry responsibilities as a pastor teacher and another job. So God's Word says... The elder who rules well. So you have to decide how well that pastor's ruling. But if he he rules well, count it worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in word and doctrine. Those who are preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. And then it says for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. How many of you make enough money? I mean, Mark's like, I own my own business. I, can make, I make the money that I need. But we could all use a raise, right? I was shredding some stuff this week. Right, we do. We have more stuff. We want more stuff. I was shredding some stuff this week, Jenny. And I picked up this envelope, and I'm like, that's interesting, and I need to remind me to give it to you. It was old, old stuff from the '90s, and I was going through and sorting and shredding. And this envelope felt it a little funny, So I opened it up. It was cash. It's been sitting on a shelf here at the church. Since sometime in the late 90s. And if I would have just looked at the envelope, I would have just shredded it. But God put a quarter in the quarter, and you pick it up, and the envelope dropped. And I'm like, there's something in there. Oh, that's green stuff. So we can add to the tithes and offerings this week. It's not much, Jenny. It's not going to pay the water bill. but uh, We get so hung up. And I know pastors who... The first thing they want to know before they apply for a church is, what are you going to pay me? It's not about how can I go and minister to this body of Christ. It's how much are you going to pay me? We are blessed. We have either 13 or somewhere between 13 and 16 churches that help us be here right now. We have people coast to coast help us be here right now we have people in Massachusetts and we have people in California and in between that help us be here as missionaries I'm amazed we're like Sharon the other day she says do you know who Gary and so-and-so are? and I'm like I have no clue who these people are I was I was telling Dave yesterday, From January to August, when we moved, we were in 36 different churches last year. Telling people we're coming to Galilean Baptist Church. Actually, we didn't know in January that we were coming here. But when you get ready to hire a pastor, full-time pastor, and I'm not saying we're leaving soon. Okay, some of you are starting to get those heart things going. Calm down, Pat. (laughs) When the time comes for you to hire a full-time pastor, you have to look to see if this person is worthy of double honor. Some churches, I, I have we have a good friend in California. Now, he lives in Southern California. He lives in a very affluent community in Southern California. You know what his salary is a year? Anybody want to guess? One dollar. Because that makes him a paid employee of the church covered by workman's compensation. One dollar a year. He has a house. The church owns a parsonage. But right now, the condition of the church, they can pay him a dollar a year. His wife works full time, so he's not starving. But he's serving. Is he serving the Lord? Is he preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Teaching Sunday school for money? I don't think so. I don't think that's what it's about with this guy. And then it says, "Do not" in verse 19, do not receive an accusation against an elder except for two or three witnesses. And if you're reading through the law right now, you'll understand in Deuteronomy, this goes all the way back to the law in Deuteronomy where you can't take an accusation. You got something against me? Come and tell me. But if you want to make an accusation, do it right. I was reading about one pastor who some lady came up to him after a service one Sunday morning and started, you know what you're doing? And he goes, "Uh, Joe, Dave, Pat, will you come here? She says, what are you doing? And he said, well, if you're going to make an accusation, you need to do it with two or three witnesses. She left. She just wanted to get on him about something that wasn't true. So if you want to make an accusation against one of the leaders of the church, do it scripturally. Don't listen to gossip. There's so much gossip that goes on in the church and causes so many problems. You think there's something going on, something wrong? Come to one of the deacons or come to me. Let's, Let's figure it out. Let's figure out what's going on. And it says in verse 20, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may fear. Now, again, I love the law. I'm glad we don't live under it. But if two or three witnesses came against Mark, and they laid their hands on him in the law, they'd take him out to the edge of the city, and everybody'd pick up a stone. Mark's done. Sorry, Sue, but... (laughs) but that's what the law says Okay. we look at Matthew 18 for church discipline but there's a lot of passages in the New Testament that talk about how this is to be done orderly and neatly in the church we're a family and what we do as a family needs to be done neat and orderly according to God's word Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all. If I come to Jim and Jim doesn't listen, then I'm going to come with two others to Jim. And if Jim doesn't listen and there's sin in his life that's obvious to the three of us and he won't take care of it, then we're going to bring it to the church. Not to kick him out. Not to make him look bad. But that's what scripture says we need to do. And then we need to restore that brother if he confesses that sin. We've got to do it right, people. And he says, I charge you in verse 21, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice and doing nothing with partiality. How do we treat everyone? The person that sits in really fine clothes up here or the person that doesn't look so good back there. God's word says we treat everybody the same. Sometimes in the church we don't do that. We've we've been involved in ministries where the person that has the money tells the pastor what he's going to do. We were in a church one time. They wanted a new electronic keyboard. Church didn't have the money to do it. So they wrote a check and says, "You will buy a new keyboard." Well, they wrote the check. But did that pastor listen to them a little more? We have to treat everyone the same. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Paul's telling Timothy to do this. Don't share in that sin, but keep yourself pure. Verse 24 says Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that otherwise cannot be hidden. Everybody good with that? They didn't get it, Sharon. Is that what what God's word says? I got you, huh? This is a tough job. The person who stands up here, you ask any pastor if it's tough. You know, if all I had to do was preach and teach, that would be great. But it's going through and finding this and taking care of this. and There's a mess of paperwork. It's a mess. And then you got, you got people that get sick, and you know, I get sick too. I'm still recovering. In fact, you can pray for me. I have surgery in the morning, or in the afternoon. Minor surgery, no big deal. Uh, the biggest deal is getting there and back with the weather. The surgery's a piece of cake. So, But the job of a pastor's not easy. The pastor, the job of the deacons in the church is not an easy job. I'm going to expect a lot from our four deacons this year. If we're going to move forward, we've got to be working together. And you know, today we don't have to do what what Paul tells Timothy, but what does he tell? What's Paul tell Timothy? He says, you know there's trouble. You know things are not going well in the church. He's having to deal with sin issues in the church And Paul tells him, and this is what I I didn't read the first time through, do no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. His frequent illnesses. You've got to understand, this young guy is probably having a lot of difficulty dealing with all the issues of running a, a church. Their water wasn't great. And Paul says... Today it'd be prilosec or some of those other things that you can take. But and it's not liberty to drink. This is has nothing to do with being drunk or anything. But Paul's telling Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. You know, when I was really sick last year, yeah, just last year, I was it was recommended to me to take a little bit of wine to help my stomach. But Paul's telling Timothy. And it's interesting that he, he puts that between 21 and 22 and 24 and 25. He adds that verse. So think about it. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sin. Keep yourself pure. And then he said, because of your frequent illnesses... Take a little wine for your stomach. And some men's sins are clearly evident. You know what? We can look in the world today and we can see evident sins. Jim was talking about evil this morning. Yeah, we can look at it. We can see it. And some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good deeds. Good works of some are clearly evident and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. You know, sometimes there's stuff that goes on in the church, good and bad, that you never see. Sometimes it's evident, sometimes it's not. But how do we take care of this? Take care of it with this. When we see sin, we confront it from God's word. We deal with it in a loving and caring way. We see there's a need in the body of Christ. We take care of it. Why do we do that? Why why do we care? Ever thought about that? Why do we care so much? God cared so much for us. We read John chapter 3 this morning. We always we teach John 3:16, but we don't teach the verses on either side of it. Let's look at that again. Starting in verse 14, it says and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We know that Christ had to go to the cross. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, last week we had Jerry's service. Jerry, Jerry's spending eternity in God's presence right now. No more pain, no more sorrow. We can all look forward to that day. I'd love it if the Lord had come back before we finish this service this morning. And then, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17, if we teach 16, we need to teach 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved because of Jesus' broken body and his shed blood we can be saved without it there is no remission or forgiveness of sins he didn't come into the world to condemn the world you know what we should not either we should do what God's word says when we see sin in the church. But we can't condemn. We can pray and we can restore if there's repentance. I want to ask the men to come forward. We have an open communion here. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we would invite you to partake in the elements with us this morning. It's really important that we understand how this is a representation of Christ's body that was broken on the cross for us this is a representation of his blood that was shed for us they have no saving power 1st Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 28 says, Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. I believe we should take just a few minutes, each one of us in the quietness of the moment, And just ask God to search us and see if there's anything that we need to confess before him this morning, before we take the elements. And then I'm going to ask Jim Evans to ask the blessing on the bread.